It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 297, The Hymn of His Garment and the Language of Faith. We begin this episode with a question, and we'll end it with the answer. Uh, But think about it throughout this episode. What is the one thing that impresses God? There are multiple things, but in the ministry of Jesus, he's more than impressed with this one thing. Think on it. Uh, For you have this this same opportunity in your lifetime uh, to impress God. What is the one thing that impresses God? All right, I was watching The Chosen, and this episode came up, and bam, I mean, this episode, it was it was just on. The Hymn of His Garment is such a powerful story. Um, in The Chosen, Season 3, Episode 5, you'll have the visuals of this scene of the healings uh, that occur all on the same day. So fast forward the episode, it's on YouTube to probably the back third of this episode, and you can see a creative interpretation of what it could have looked like. So regarding the Chosen miniseries, you know, it's got its up and downs, but it's a creative interpretation, and much of it is, um, you know, purposefully created extra-biblical. My opinion, when, when they get to the meat of the stories and the accounts, it is so powerful. Other times, like Jesus preparing for two episodes, even practicing the Sermon on the Mount with a stage and the clothes he wears, it's just too much, you know, almost unnecessary. But when the miracles happen and the collision of the storyline occurs with the biblical account, my jaw drops. There you go. My my opinion of the chosen. Check it out. Um, you know, when when you when the storylines collide uh, with the biblical accounts, it's there's so much of a wow factor. The greater the focus on Jesus, less on the fleshly or modern interpretations of the biblical accounts and the ministry of Jesus, it explains itself and it wows the audience. All right, normally we move pretty slow, covering the symbolism and power of the miracles of Jesus. But today, on this very day, four phenomenal miracles occur. And according to Matthew 9, these all occur on the same day. Like it's all in preparation for his disciples to go and do it themselves in Matthew 10. We're going to cover all these in one one episode here to taste the breadth and uh, miraculousness in one setting. For Jesus has some really, really, really good days, and he also had some horrible days. This is a good day. Here is Jesus' commission to the disciples in Matthew 10. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. This is where we're going. The commissioning of these disciples to do the works themselves. They will do it, but like a great teacher, Jesus will do it himself first. He's a, he's a you know, what is the learning style? Um, you know, like, give me instructions, leave me alone. That's not, that's not Jesus' 
you know, learning style. It's uh, experiential. Um, you know, I'm going to do it myself. You're going to watch me. Now you go do it. <laughs> That's what's going to happen in the next chapter. All right, here we go. Let's dive in. Mark 5, 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My daughter, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she may be healed and live. So Jesus went with them. Jesus has been kicked out of the synagogue. They want to kill him. But here is Jairus, one of the synagogue leaders. I'm guessing he's more like an elder of sorts. Um, and his daughter, of course, is dying. It's amazing when death comes knocking, people still know where to go. Jesus. Luke 8 adds she was 12 years old, not even a teenager yet. How sad. They say one of the worst things is for a parent to outlive their children. Jairus is desperate. So Jesus heads in his direction, but it says there's a large crowd around him. The Greek implies there is a multitude, and he's being pressed hard, even crushed in some other verses. Jesus' magnetic personality, the teaching, the anointing, they drew the crowds. It must have been hard to get from place to place, but all the more reason when it says someone touched him and he realized it. All right, for more context of the next healing, too. Uh, there's a woman with a bleeding problem from a female condition. She's been bleeding for 12 years. And according to the law of Leviticus, a woman is unclean during her period for a matter of days. Technically, according to the law, this woman has been unclean for 12 years. It was illegal in many ways for her to even be in public. She had to be known by the community, and there was probably watchdogs out there looking for her to tell her to get in her house and never leave her house. The religious police would have been quick to bounce, pounce on her for appearing in public. She was poor. She was destitute. For there, no medical help had done anything for her, much less it had actually taken away her wealth. She was an outcast, a leper in her community. She was rejected. I have the impression she sought her healing with all her heart through the law, through the priest, through the medical magician arts of the day. But she was empty. She came up empty every time. Isn't that what happens to us when we don't seek Jesus first? Like, I mean, you know, context and context is, is everything. And, you know, like... You know, there there wasn't a lot of options back then. Uh, perhaps she didn't pray to God. You know, she went through her church. She went through the, the synagogue approach, and those priests were corrupt, right? Uh, but perhaps she didn't even pray to God. But here is Jesus doing miraculous powers himself. She learns of his miracle power and learns of Jesus himself. And she sees her opportunity when the multitude is distracted by him. Even the religious watchdogs are distracted. Now this destitute, poor, broken woman, unclean, illegal to go into public woman, decides to pursue Jesus for her healing. She said to herself, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Mark 5, 24. A large crowd got followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, who had, and she had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. 
And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see, the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Luke 8 adds that Jesus said power had left him. Oh, power left him and he knew it despite the crowds. You know, here's a question. Who healed who here? Did Jesus heal her or did her faith heal her? This is what Jesus said. My best explanation is this. You have a lamp and it doesn't work unless you plug it into the electric socket. It's that simple. Jesus is the power unit of the universe and she realizes it. He is the word. His creative power brings healing. It's that simple and all the promises of God are yes and amen. She runs to him and she touches him. She plugs her, you know, she, she connects with the power source of the universe, knowing that it would heal her. So what's up with the hem of his garment comment? Even Matthew 14, 36, we have later, says people just wanted to touch the hem of his garment. This is that clothes comment, the, the extension of his clothes. Here's some detail on the hem of his garment from gotquestions.org. The Jewish prayer shawl is a fringed garment worn by Jewish men on the outside of the regular garments in the synagogue, especially during the morning, Sabbath, or other holiday services. The Hebrew name for this prayer shawl is tallit, which simply means a robe, a cloak, or a sheet. The Jewish prayer shawl is usually made of wool or silk. It's often long enough to cover most of the body with special twined and knotted fringes attached to each of its four corners. In modern times, it's not uncommon to see Jewish men wear a silk prayer shawl that is no more of a scarf around the neck. The ultra-Orthodox Jewish men wear the prayer shawl over the head when they recite more important prayers. Although the Hebrew word tallit is not found in scripture, the biblical command for Israelites to wear a fringed or tassel garment can be found in the Torah, in which God says to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, Throughout the generations to come you are to make tassels at the corners of your garments with a blue cord on each tassel. You will have these tassels to look at, and so you will remember all the commands of the Lord, that you may obey them and not prostitute yourselves by chasing after the lust of your own hearts and eyes, then you will remember to obey all my commands. It will be consecrated to your God. In summary, the tassels on the garment came to represent the promises of God. Enelm is the representative power of God. She saw it this way. And being the representation of faith itself, she knew she just needed to touch these promises of God that was on God in the flesh that hang upon his robe or tallit. And if she could touch those promises of God, it would bring her healing. And it did. That's faith. And like Jesus said, your faith has made you well.
try to picture all of this as a rolling scene. I mean, uh, you know, the Bible miniseries has a, has a pretty good, you know, scene after scene here. The Chosen shows all four of these healings. This is just the first that occurs in, in this day. Um, and there's so much symbolism. We could spend all day on the hem of his garment. Uh, and we will. We'll, in a way, we'll, we'll end the episode uh, talking about faith. So, Mark 5.35 while Jesus was talking, so this is him talking to the lady, right? Like him talking to the hem of his garment woman. She just received her healing and the next miracle is just coming up. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, you know, interesting, right? He's he's talking to the woman, and he hears these two people talking. He overhears them, and Jesus told him, "Don't be afraid; just believe." He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing aloud. He went in and said to them, While this commotion and wailing, the child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with them and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. And at this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Man, I, I, I've got a script for this, but it's just something that just occurred to me is she died at the age of 12. Um, it's, you know, I don't know if you remember all the way back in the old, old episodes about the the angel of death that came in the last plague in Egypt. We actually talked about age of accountability. Um, you know, how um, it, what happens to children who are born before they have the age of accountability? Do they make it to heaven or not? Um, you know, this is kind of a mystery, right? Uh, but it's interesting here that she is 12 years old, potentially not even old enough to, to be considered an adult, uh, nor would she be able to even choose between... Um, you know, uh, following God or not based upon her age. Um, you know, she could obviously still follow God and all, but, you know, is she held accountable at the age of 12? Uh, it's interesting how Jesus came to someone who wasn't even an adult here, just before adulthood, um, to absolutely and totally wreck that family um, for him. <laughs> So interesting timing. It's interesting though also that that we he's we're given the actual dialogue here in Aramaic. This uh, Talithi Kum uh, that Jesus spoke. He said, "Get up." I love the simplicity of the prayer. Jesus' prayers were so short. Like God is impressed with our many words, right? I heard a prayer the other day by a pastor friend. It was powerful. The pastor had a profound voice. The scriptures he used were great. He sounded excellent in his approach. I was awed, but I felt nothing. And I realized some of the personal things I knew about him, what he was going through, the way he treats his friends. And I realized it was just a lot of words. Jesus is impressed by a heart who is committed to him. 
And he uses ordinary people like you and me. Don't ever get impressed with yourself. You're, you're not that special. God is the special one. Say a prayer, make a declaration. When it is time for a healing, even raising from the dead, Jesus cleared the room and said, get up. It's a simple prayer, right? Jesus will pray for a blind man twice. So we shouldn't be formulaic. Elijah prayed it would rain seven times. But generally speaking, you pray and you believe. Right? Um, he, he's, he also said, uh, you know, the, the, the comparable woman who approached the, the wicked judge over and over and over. Um, she got her prayer answered. Uh, but sometimes I'm just impressed by the simplicity of Jesus' commandments um, and his simple prayers. What was it that we said before, the most common prayer in world history is God help me. <laughs> so it's cool too, we have the words of Jesus here. The language is Aramaic, the language of the day and not the Hebrew of the Pharisees. Jesus speaks the language to the people and culture of the day, like Daniel learning the culture of the Babylonians. Even Paul said, I am all things to all people to reach the most people. So, but not to stop here with a resurrection and a healing. Jesus continues, what a day, right? And when he put his head down, you know, for the night, or maybe it was the disciples. I don't know if I put my words in Jesus' mouth, but maybe it's, maybe Peter, right? He's just laying down like, what? just happened right like <laughs> like you know a woman of the 12 years of um 12 years of bleeding um uh, you know you know a resurrection now we got blind and we're going to have you know the mute speaking uh, it's just a powerful day matthew 9 27 as jesus went on from here two blind men followed him calling out have mercy on a son of david and when he had gone indoors the blind men came to him so some of these blind men really followed him and he asked do you believe that i'm able to do this yes lord they replied then he touched their eyes and said according to your faith let it be done to you and their sight was restored jesus warned them sternly see that no one knows about this but they went out and spread the news all the more in the region. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, It is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. So rounding out Jesus' day, it started with a healing and ended with a resurrection, sight to the blind, and voice to the voiceless. He ended this day ministering to the deaf, dumb, and the dead. And honestly, who really cares about the Pharisees and what they're saying? It's just stupid, their comment that healing was from the prince of demons. It was driven by their jealousy of the people, that nothing like this had ever been seen in Israel. And then immediately they have their comments. And I believe it. The, the Midrash says that Elijah did eight miracles. Elisha did 16. Jesus just did four in one day. And that's only what's recorded. Go, Jesus. All the devil had on him was a stupid lie that it was from the devil and not from God. And how complex and stupid is the, the accusations here? I mean, the, the devil's 
he's on the run. Jesus is clearing house in Galilee. So let's bring this marathon episode to a close, but I've got to spend a bit of time here on that question, right? My question, uh, you know, my message for this season, and this is what has overwhelmed me in this season of studying the miracles of Jesus, is the word faith. Uh, This is the language of Jesus. This is my message in this season, faith, faith, faith. Maybe we'll do a podcast special on it, and maybe I will just... uh, won't overwhelm you too much here, but um, let me, I got to unload some of this on faith because the study of Jesus is just overwhelming. It's a language of Jesus. It's how he talked. Uh, there's no word for faith in Hebrew. Uh, funny enough, in the Old Testament, it's not used in the Old Testament. Uh, you don't see it used in the Old Testament, it's, but it's no wonder Hebrews 11 defines it for us. Faith brings heaven to earth per the Lord's prayer. Hebrews 11:1. 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things unseen. Per Hebrews 11, faith is a substance. It's funny, it's a substance is a physical science term. What is the substance? It's the substance of faith. It's the materialization of something out of nothing. It's bringing heaven to earth like the Lord's Prayer. It's a powerful display of things that are not possible, but from the unseen realm to this realm, it is possible. So what is the substance? I believe it's the sound of heaven, God's creative power working through us. Nothing is impossible with God. It's bringing life to the dead, the ability to walk to the crippled, a voice for the mute, ability to hear to the deaf, sight to the blind, healing to an unclean woman. It's the impossibility of heaven. Jesus said, if anyone has the faith the size of a mustard seed, mountains can be moved. Paul called it a substance, and Jesus gave us the quantity that moves mountains. So how do we generate or accumulate this faith? The Apostle Paul tells us. Uh, there's more. It's Romans 10:17. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So let's end with the simplicity of faith. I don't think it's supposed to be so hard. Yes, there are spiritual truths. Uh, and, and needs, and it, it is sin that makes everything so complicated. But the simplicity of faith is just belief. Faith comes from hearing and immersing yourself in the Word of God. You want to build your faith? Immerse yourself. Read the Bible. Spend time with God. Turn on the Bible app. Listen to an, an audio. Let it read to you while you work, while you do housework, yard work. It builds your faith. Your faith muscles will grow. For as you feed yourself on the Word, something happens on the inside. And understand that impossibilities are for those who believe. Then take an impossibility to God. That's faith. Faith is not asking God to heal someone. Faith is not asking your parents for something. Faith is not asking. Faith is beseeching, never giving up. Faith is steadfast endurance to the end. That woman saw Jesus and she said in her heart, if I just touch his garment, I will be healed. She went against her family, her society's rules, the religious rules, the expectations of her, and she ran after Jesus regardless of all the voices around her. Feed yourself on the word. Understand the simplicity of this quote by Jesus and remind him of it in prayer. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. If he said it, he will do it. That's faith. Need a miracle? Have a need around you? Pray. 
Now back to the question. What's the one thing that impresses God? It's faith. Think of the centurion, the woman who came to him, Jairus. They truly believed Jesus would do it, and he did it. It's faith. Here's a crazy verse. It's impossible to please God without faith. Hebrews 11:6. You want to impress God. You want to impress your heavenly Father. Do something crazy and step in radical faith. If he said it, he will do it. All right, it's been a long episode, but I got to call something else out. There is a clue here in the numbers of what's coming up. There was a lady with a 12-year-old issue of bleeding. There was a 12-year-old daughter that, that died. There are 12 disciples, and 12 is synonymous with God's government. And it makes total sense that when you realize what's coming next, next the disciples themselves will be doing the miracle signs and wonders. And in Matthew 10, he commissions the disciples to do it themselves. Jesus is setting up his future government of the church. And he's about to launch them out. And his lesson, his teaching, his language to them is faith, faith, and faith. Great commission will become our commandment. Yet also the marching orders for the apostolic church. All right. Sorry this episode took so long to come out. Uh, but uh, you know why now. It was a long one. Uh, the script was 10 pages long. I've got another two pages on the study of faith and what we covered. Uh, but if you want to hear more on faith, um, email us at message to kings at gmail.com. And maybe we'll do a whole, you know, a whole nother uh, podcast special on it. Um, thanks, everyone. Talk to you again soon. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Feel free to check out the website, messagetokings.com, uh, or if you want to chat or connect with us, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.